Welcome back to your next stop. This is Juliet Hahn. In this episode, I interview Kate Cercello. Kate is a New York City-based performer. She's also a podcast host, Be the Good with Kate. She's also a fitness professional. Kate teaches classes. She started Zumba when she was young. She did Pilates. She did those all in New York when she was auditioning for shows. Instead of doing the serving route, she decided to do that. She fell in love with the whole fitness and teaching because after she would get a rejection, if she got a rejection on uh, an audition, she would get to go into a class and teach. Love Kate's energy, her spunk. You could just feel what a good person she is. You can follow Kate at positively underscore Kate on Instagram. You can find the podcast, Be the Good with Kate and all your podcast players. You can also go to Kate's website, Kate, C-H-E-R-I-C-H-E-L-L-O.com. And it's really fun how she decided to start the podcast. You have to listen to find out. I don't know if you know this, but I am a storytelling consultant. So what I do is I help people be able to articulate their story to be able to connect deeper with audiences. So whether you are small business uh, on the podcast circuits, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, an inventor, uh, you know, you're doing TED Talks, you're an author, I help you put those pieces of your story together that are going to connect deeper and be able to articulate those. So I can help you articulate in a 30 minute. If you're doing a podcast, it's a 30 minute or you're doing a media circuit and you're on for 10 minutes. I can help you get those pieces of that story out and be able to practice them. So you really connect deeper. I help you connect those dots. You can contact me at info at com for a free 30 minute consultation to see if we're a fit. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your next stop. This is Juliette Hahn. I say it every single episode and I'm going to say it again. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Kate Cherichello. She's a New York City based performer. She has a podcast. She is a fitness performer. Her podcast is Be the Good with Kate. And I can't wait to dive into this because this is going to be fun. Hey, Kate, how are you? Hey, Julia. I'm well. Thanks so much for asking me to be here. Yes, I'm excited. So I we do this every single time on the podcast, but I just want to jump in and learn a little bit about who you are. So, you know, where you grew up, if you went to university, and uh, and then we'll get into, you know, how you started the podcast and all the performing stuff, because I can't wait to hear about that. Okay. Excellent. So uh, short version, and then I can always expand if you need me to. I grew up in New Jersey, all the way in Western New Jersey, the part that people usually don't know about. It's calm and quiet, almost to Pennsylvania. And that's where I was uh, my whole life until graduating college. Then I moved to New York City. And I went to college actually in Indianapolis at Butler University. And growing up, I was involved in the community theater, in dance classes. I was constantly singing and dancing everywhere I went. I was also in soccer in elementary school and then in high school in every club that I could be in. So just very busy, but very happily busy and just loved everything about growing up and then going to college. I, Butler was chosen for a couple different reasons. One, I just really loved how it was ranked and the programs it offered. But two, it gave me the most money. And three, I have a lot of family out there on my mom's side. So I got to be 25 minutes from my grandparents for the first time in my life on my mom's side and just have those wonderful experiences and also just meet these great people from 
all different majors at Butler. And again, being involved in a lot of different things. This is where I found the fitness world as well. It's where I first was in a professional show. It's where I studied abroad. I took a semester off to intern in New York. So there was a lot going on there. And then, like I mentioned right after that, coming right here to Midtown Manhattan, and I've lived here ever since. I love that. Now, so when you were deciding on colleges, was there a major that you were focused on? Is that why you chose? I mean, other than the other things that you said about Butler, I love that you were near your grandparents for the first time. I think that's so awesome. Um, you know, but was there a major that you were really looking into that Butler had? Yes. Yeah, so I always knew that after college, I was going to New York. I was going to be in musical theater. That was the thing. But I wanted the four-year degree, and it really wasn't so much about exactly what the four-degree what four-year degree was, as so much as that I got it. But I did make sure that all the schools I looked at had a certain amount of music offerings and theater offerings. Back then, you know, it was before we we kind of could look it up online, but it was mostly that Big Barons book. Did you ever have that? That oh, like yeah. super thick, yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking through, highlighting, dog earing it, <laughs> and everything. Had had the same music somewhere in its listing and theater somewhere in its listing. The other aspect it needed to have was what I used to call just a school spirit. So basically that meant it had to have a really good basketball or football team. And then of course, location and different rankings and all of that that I looked at as well. But in terms of major, I wasn't 100% sold on one or the other in terms of, do I want voice? Do I want musical theater? Do I want something completely different? I did know that if I wanted to go into a music major, I wanted to double major because I wanted to have some sort of more businessy or communications or just something else that felt at the right bold age of 17 that felt like a good choice, you know, to have in in tandem with performing. So I actually entered Butler as a vocal music major with a double major in business. And I was basically told that first semester, you could do that, but it would take you either five years or you could not study abroad. You could not intern. You you had to like cut back on a lot. And so Butler had, which was very rare at the time that nowadays is a much more popular major to have. It was called arts administration, which was basically like getting the business degree, but with a nonprofit focus, specifically in the arts. So it kind of touched on all of those aspects. So that's what I ended up doing with a vocal minor. Oh, that's great. Okay. And I love how you had the direction there. But you said that you knew that you wanted to go to New York City. Was that something that you knew your whole life? Yes, far back as I can remember. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because that's I knew I wanted to be in the city as well. Uh, and I and it was I didn't know what kind of aspect. I mean, I did end up studying radio, television and film communication. Um, I went into the advertising sales part of it. But I always loved like I always pictured myself like in a business suit on the subway. Like, I don't know why, but it was like, <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. And then after doing it for, you know, many years, I was like, oh, I don't want to take a cab. I don't want to take the subway anymore. You know, when you, you start, even though that was the most you know, frugal uh, thing that you could do. But it really was something that I knew I wanted to be in the city. I loved the city. I grew up, I grew up in New Jersey as well, but outside of Philadelphia. And so I had really kind of great from both sides. Like my, my parents used to take us into Philly, but then we would also go into New York because it was important for, you know, my, my parents and my mom, especially to kind of take us around and, and let us see different things. And I knew I loved New York City. I had family that uh, lived in Brooklyn. So we used to see them often. We had family that lived in Staten Island that we used to see. 
So I just loved that feel. So I, you know, I really think that's cool when people know, maybe they don't know what they want to do, but you have an area that you know you want to get to is something's, you know, is something to think about. And sometimes people don't really focus on that, but it's like, okay, I know I want to be in this region. What does that region have to offer? And then kind of work backwards to get there, I think is, is always a good, a good idea. I love what you latched onto too. You had that specific image of business suit on the subway. Like that's what we do. We latch onto these different ideas. And mine was just New York equals Broadway. And that's where it has to be. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So I know you also touched on a part, you know, you are into the, in the fitness world. What did you learn about fitness in college? So it's so amazing how much everything does support every part of your life supports the other part of your life. And finding fitness was this aha, like, absolutely, this needs to be the other thing I'm doing when I live in New York. Because in high school, I became a server as my part time job, because in my head, and from the little knowledge I had of what actors do in New York City, when they're not on Broadway, is you're a server, that's what you do, you're a waiter, you're, you're a cater, you do something like that. So I thought I'm getting my experience now at 16. But then I found oh, there's this whole world of fitness and I have a dance background and, you know, soccer and whatnot. So I always loved, and I just love being around sports, even though by college I wasn't doing them. And I think it was actually my mom who saw an ad for Zumba. It had just come out and that's that Latin dance cardio type of exercise class. And she goes, wow, I think you'd be really good at this. And I did end up taking a workshop to become an instructor for that. And then also Pilates. And it kind of was like that bug that just bit me. And I found, I love this. And as a performer, you stand on stage and you help people feel, you motivate them in different ways. And fitness was absolutely the same thing. So I always said, you know, I get paid to work out and to motivate people. And once I came to New York, having that as it never was like a fallback, it was never a side job. It was always another passion. And especially when in the audition world, it's constant rejection, rejection, rejection. You go into a fitness classroom and all these people are so excited to be there. So I could have come from an audition where it was like, you know, thank you next. And I walk in to teach a corporate fitness class and everybody comes in going, Kate, I'm so excited to be here. And just having that was, has been been such a blessing all these years. No, I love that. And I think that you really painted the picture because it's so right. I mean, you're, you are getting, you know, there's so much rejection on Broadway or, and, and in that industry, people don't always think about that. They're like, okay, you study, you study, you really have to work to get those auditions. And it's a real hustle. And the fact that you had something that was positive that you also loved, I think is really important. People should think about it because sometimes serving is not, something that lights people up, it, right? You can make money doing it, but why not look at other things that maybe do light you up? So I love that you did that. So take us through a little bit about, you know, your your New York City journey and the auditions. And I know you just touched on it a little bit, but where did that lead you? And when did you land your first gig? If you could take us through that. Sure. So I have always kind of joked slash, but it's true that I've created my own grad school in New York, not having come from one of those musical theater colleges where you have, where you just live, eat and breathe that. And they give you connections to New York. I came from Butler, which was a wonderful school. And I have so many amazing experiences, but there was never a New York connection and musical theater was very much an afterthought. It was more of just other aspects of 
of entertainment there. So coming to New York, it was, I read every book I could find. I started to go to any class that I would learn about and hear that was highly recommended, just trying to figure it out. And at the same time, trying to make money because New York is expensive. And I didn't come from one of those places where, you know, there's plenty of people you overhear in the audition room saying, my parents are paying my rent so I can audition. You know, it was, I was teaching a 6am class and a 7am class, going to auditions, teaching a noon class, going to a dance class. And like, those were the days. And I think back to, you know, especially once the pandemic hit and all of a sudden we're all just sitting in our apartments or homes for so many hours a day and the total 180 that was to that old life of go, 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 go. And I'm grateful that I'm not in that go, 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 go as much, but at the same time, it was necessary, especially in those early years, because when I had lots of actor friends talking about not knowing how to pay rent, I was making it a point to, I'm paying off my student loans. I'm building a savings account. That said, it pulled me away from auditions and opportunities. So it's always a double-edged sword, right? So I didn't go into debt, but I also didn't get as many opportunities as I could have been getting. Um, so there's that aspect, the kind of like practical living in New York aspect, that's a constant balance and figuring out how to make it happen. Um, but then auditions, you know, we backstage is the big magazine where it posts all of the auditions. So especially when I was first starting out, that was the big thing to look at. And we had a print version and online had just started. And you'd look up where the auditions are because for musical theater, they all have these open calls where anyone can come and uh, without getting too technical into the union versus non-union and how auditions work, basically you could find out where auditions were, you could show up, you'd sing or you danced or both, and then you'd go home. And it was, you know, I heard a story from a dance teacher right when I first moved to New York, and she said she you writes down every audition that she goes to, and she had 69 auditions in a row, and on number 70, she booked it, and it was a big booking. And that really painted a really good, unfortunately, picture of what the world is like. And so I didn't get so pulled down when I would go audition after audition after audition, because then when you do book something, it's like, aha, this is why I'm doing this. Um, so it started with a couple of workshops, a couple of small regional productions. Those were the first couple of musical theater bookings that I had. And then around that time, I learned that I love the on-camera space, and I had had no experience in that before. And that opened up all these doors and that's a whole other you know could be a podcast episode in of itself of how that world works but that brought a lot more joy as well finding this other outlet booked a commercial right off the bat so that started moving and it it is a um an up and down up and down roller coaster of an industry back in the day they the they of like people who've been around for many many years in the industry say it used to be a little bit more of a straight line up you start small and then you keep growing bigger and bigger jobs but now it's you know there are people who are in the ensemble of Broadway one day and can't book work the next day. And it's just up and down, up and down. So it's really been like learning 
what to celebrate along the way, finding these other projects. This is how Be the Good came about. And uh, really, again, celebrating those moments you do book. Right. And I think it's so important, again, to bring back that you not only, you know, were doing something, you were following a dream, right? You were following a dream, but you also had something else that you loved. And I think that's really important, especially for that world because of the negativity that can happen. But that and then the small wins and then the big wins. And if you think about it, being an entrepreneur, it, it is like, you know, I talk about this a lot on the podcast. There's days that you're like, oh my gosh, I just had the biggest win. And then the next day, it could be like literally the world just fell apart and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. It is not for everyone. Not everyone's personality can handle it. But if you celebrate, you learn to celebrate those wins and learn not to sit too long in the losses. I feel like you can find a little bit of a balance. You know, there's no there's never a, you know, the, the right balance. I remember someone saying to me once that what they did, and I, I understood what they were saying, but I was also like, oh, that's a little bit sad. I don't know if I could ever do it. They never celebrated too much because they were like, I know if I celebrate too much and get too excited at the big wins, it's going to hurt worse at the, the low moments. So they learned to like, be like excited about those big wins, but never sit too long in those either. And then not sit too long in the down. And they really found a path um, where I said, I do celebrate the big, you know, sometimes I probably sit in those a little bit too long, but then I know it just naturally, okay, you have a big win. There's going to be, you know, something down the road that's going to be a bad one, but not sit too long in those. Just be like, okay, it's a learning experience. Let's chalk it up and move on. Can you talk a little bit about that as you were creating your podcast and going through, you know, uh, and, and finding your, you know, your kind of your, your another passion? Mm-hmm. That you're so spot on about that. You have to celebrate it and not sit too long in the lower parts because it's a constant up and down. And even uh, right before, the pandemic, I was in a show that was a dream show and I had been auditioning for for eight years and I booked it. And it was the best experience from the show standpoint, but it was a touring production of it. And this, there are three companies, there was the New York, the US tour, and then the ship tour. And I was on the ship tour and it was all three, the same show. And the ship was such a horrendous experience that I had to step back and leave that show early. And it was just such an example of that, like a moment when the high and the low converged at the same time. And it is, it's that like, I have to celebrate that I made it to that show and I got to experience it, but also know like, okay, we had to say goodbye to that too. Because for my own, like in tier, uh, my whole like mindset, my whole soul needed to stay away from that. But then, uh, just as a, as an anecdote to go along with that, but going into the pandemic, then the entertainment industry stopped cold at first. And so as a way to keep up the muscle of on camera, and I always knew I loved interviewing people. Uh, I'm guessing you have similar experience when you're at parties, when you're at gatherings, constantly asking people questions, wanting to learn more, right? (laughs) Yeah. So all of that, but I never had on camera proof of that. You know, I could tell someone, oh no, I love interviewing, but they don't know if I'm any good at it or not. So I was like, oh, let's keep the on camera muscles going going, start to really work into interviews. And we were surrounded by all this negative news and we had to hear about it. We had to know what was going on, but I also needed that reminder of the good that was still happening around us. So that's how Be the Good with Kate came about. And I, as someone doing your own project, as I know a lot of your listeners are in that world of having to create something, 
sometimes you need that impetus outside of yourself to make it happen. So I ha- I can plan it all out for days and have that all set. But then to actually get on camera, it was that first email to someone saying, I'm going to do this thing. Uh, I think you'd be a great guest. And it was actually two people I sent it to. I didn't know if they would say yes or no. They both said yes. So then it was, well, I have to make it happen. Now I have someone else waiting for me. And once those first two episodes started, it was, oh, this feels great. I can do something. And you feel like you're in control finally of doing something to help yourself as a performer, but also to help the world. And even if the world in this case is two listeners who maybe heard it for the first week, or if it's, you know, it gets shared and it, once a podcast goes out, it's there forever. So you never know when someone's going to hear it and they just needed that for the day. So, I mean, I could go on and on because I just think it's so wonderful to get to highlight these people, but that's how it started. No. And I love that. And I think what's really also another thing to, that's important that you touched on and what I'm kind of hearing is you're always kind of forward thinking. You know, you're like, okay, this has happened. How can I continue my craft? It sounded like you did it in college. It sounded like you did it, you know, as you were going into New York City, being like, okay, I want to serve. I'm going to start doing it at 16 because I know it's going to be part of my life. Where do you think that came from? Was that something that you think your parents taught you or was just kind of innate in you? That's a great question. And I'm not sure the answer. And it's funny you ask that now because I was just with my parents this past weekend. And I said something to my mom about, because I was always that one that like, if I knew it was an early morning tomorrow, I was the first one to say goodbye to the group at night and be like, sorry, I got to go to bed. Or if I knew that, like, I've always had to be pay attention to budgets very carefully. So there was never a second drink. It was always water. And I was perfectly happy with that because I didn't care about the drink. I cared about talking to the people, you know, so there's always been this like, what's the next thing? What's the consequence? What's tomorrow going to be? And and I said, like, mom, did you ever say something? Like, I don't know where this started. So it's really funny you brought that up because I'd never brought it up to my mom before. And we couldn't figure it out either. But for some reason, that was always in my mind. And I remember as a little kid, you know, I had lemonade stands. I created a dance camp for the littler kids in the neighborhood when I was, you know, at the old age of 10 years old. So there was always that entrepreneurial kind of spirit there. Um, and then going into high school, I think just managing my time, I was, I would go from first thing in the morning, you know, to a club practice, to a club meeting, to dance team, to a rehearsal. And that would be 11 o'clock at night before I'd get home. And I never felt stressed over that. I always loved it. So it was doing homework while in the car, it was doing homework in between rehearsal breaks and just finding that time management. So I'm thinking that's where it came from. Just knowing that if I wanted to succeed at X, Y, and Z, this is what has to happen. And I'm so grateful for that too, because being surrounded by people who don't think about that or find themselves spending a hundred dollars when they meant to spend 10 or staying out till midnight when they have to be up at five. Uh, and not to say I'm perfect at this at all, but just being aware is such a, a gift. I feel like. No, that's so interesting. So what do your parents do for a living? Now I'm very curious oh, yeah, about this. They are not performers or in the fitness industry at all. Uh, my dad was historically, he worked for Blue Cross Blue Shield forever. Uh, so growing up, it was just, 
you know, he wore a suit, he went to work, he came home as, as a kid, that's what corporate meant and to me. And then after 9-11 ended up in the layoffs as he got older and finally got into education, which was his original passion, but he went to business instead because that felt like the more, like it was stable, it was sensible, like go do that. Um, and so he makes less money, but he's never been happier working now. He works with special needs, middle school kids. And finally, like his patience is finally, uh, that skill that he has or trait rather that he has is being put to use. And he loves it. He comes home with stories and jokes that 12 year olds tell him. And so that's been quite a a neat journey for him. And my mom always just wanted to be a mom. That was what she wanted. And so she was a stay at home mom until I went to high school. And then just for financial reasons, had to start to go back to work part-time and then went back full-time when I uh, went to college as an executive assistant at the hospital nearby. Interesting. Well, I mean, and the reason why I asked what they do is because I know that, you know, even if you, they didn't go into the performing side, I think there's a lot of stuff that's innate in us. You know, I think there's a lot of stuff that's taught to us as kids, but then I also think there's just, you know, the way you're born. So like my mom is a kindergarten teacher, super organized. I mean, she's retired now, but like always was teaching and then came me and I came out like a ball of fire, never stopped. You know, I was running from the second I probably was born talking from the second I was born, never sat still, never thought like just would run. You know, she's like, when you were a kid, you like ran into the ocean. You didn't know how to swim. We were like, what is this child doing? (laughs) She's like, you like, and I'm probably a lot more like my dad who was very impulsive, very active. Uh, And so it's funny because so many things that she really taught us like organization, time management. I didn't, I didn't retain any of it. So when you're saying like the person that was like, I can only spend $10. When I lived in New York city, I had a certain, you know, I made this much money. And by the time I got older, I was like, Oh wow, I have some debt to pay off because I lived when I'm in the moment I live. I don't regret any of it because I've, I, I, I do. I I mean, I'm always having fun. Even as an adult, there'll be times where like we're at a party and I'm like, all right, you know, I'll say to my husband, just tap me because you know I'm in the moment and I don't think of times. I don't think of consequences. I don't think I have to get up with the kids tomorrow. And, um, you know, as you get older, there are times where I'm like, oh, okay, that was, I didn't make the best decision there, but it's who I am. I am so in the moment and I'm so all or nothing. So it's either I'm like, okay, I'm really focused. I have something to do tomorrow, but that's all I have to like kind of do. Or it's like, boom. I'm the life of the party and we're not even thinking about anything that's happening tomorrow. And so it's interesting. And my mom was not like that. You know, as I said, my mom's a kindergarten teacher. My dad was in real estate, but I probably was more like my father. Like my father is definitely an entrepreneur, definitely like, you know, kind of lived by the seat of his pants um, and lives by the seat of his pants, not as much as he's older, but it's interesting now that I have kids to see how they are. And my husband is not someone that like my husband is, is definitely more of like a grounded human. Like he plans, he, we, we really balance each other out. But so I asked about what your parents did. Cause sometimes when someone will say something like, I was going to think that you were say your dad maybe was an engineer or, uh, you know, something where you were like, okay, I'm thinking ahead. I'm, you know, practical, your mom being in a, you know, an executive assistant, she probably had those skills. So time management and all of that. So you probably saw her and it just was innate in you because you're a little bit like that. But then I love that you 
kind of also had this performing thing, which, you know, your, your parents didn't have. I mean, I think that's fun. Where did you see that? Or was that something that just, again, if, do you remember like a time that you saw someone perform or you went to the theater and you were like, oh my gosh, that's what I want to do? Kind of. Yes. It's, I think it's more in story because I was so young, but going with what you said, I'm actually adopted at birth. So there's that whole other element of, is it because I was surrounded by people who were like this or is it somewhere in my genes that I don't know? And that's always been a kind of fascinating thing for us too. Um, and I don't know if performing comes from in my blood somewhere or if it's because going to this next question, my mom from the start had Sound of Music, had Annie, had all of these on VHS and I just took to them and would watch everything and bless my parents, let me watch everything on repeat over and over. And every car ride was the same cassette tapes over and over and over. And I would be belting out songs at the top of my voice in the car, in the grocery store. I was the kid doing cartwheels down the grocery store aisle. Just, and mom always tells a story about when I was three, they were in a wallpaper store looking for wallpaper. And I was singing, I think it was Do Re Mi. And there had been a community theater had just started in our area. And the director happened to be in the wallpaper store. And so she started talking to mom and she was like, oh, when she gets older, you know, let her know that she can join uh, this theater. And mom started to go to their shows with me, uh, mom and dad, I'm sure too. Um, and so we would see, I think like Cinderella was one of the first ones. And I just, again, it's like what, you know, some kids become super focused on a sport. Some kids come focused on this or that. And for me, it was every musical I could get my hands on. I love that. And you're right. Who knows? I have my, one of my sisters is adopted. And so it's the same sort of thing because she definitely picked up a lot of stuff that my mom, like she was the organized one. And so it was always interesting. It was like, okay, maybe it also was in her heritage. Who knows? But I do find that really fascinating, the whole nature versus nurture. I mean, it always, and I think maybe because I have an adopted sister also, it kind of always fascinated me to see the traits that, you know, we were so similar and that we must have learned as kids and the things that we were so different. I mean, she was always like really good in math um, and really good in school. And I'm, I'm dyslexic. School was really hard. And then she could also, she would sit and be able to listen to any kind of music and be able to play it back on the piano. And the rest of us were like, like morons. I mean, like when I say morons, like, no, we have no, we love music. We love listening to it, but we have no musical talent at all. Like from tops to bottoms in my family, except there's a cousins on one side, but their mom is like super, super um, talented singer. So we have like a group of cousins that are really good singers. And then the rest of us are like tone deaf. <laughs> so it is really funny, but she could just sit and play. I remember when Chariots of Fire, cause we used to watch a lot of movies and stuff. Chariots of Fire. I remember she sat down at a friend house and sat and played it because she learned it by ear. And we were all like, what the hell? <laughs> that is such a skill. People who can do that, it blows my mind. Blows my mind. And I remember the teachers would always be like, oh, you guys, oh, oh, you're a Williams. Oh, so you're, you know, and I'd be like, and then we'd hear me do music and they're like, oh, okay, maybe you just uh, <laughs> not do that. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> So bad. So it's funny. And even within one family, how people can be so different, uh, adopted or not. I mean, one of my closest friends is this larger than life guy that is just, he is kind of like you were saying, like living in that moment and 
total opposite for me where I'm constantly being like, wait, what do I have to do tomorrow? What do I have to do? Not in a way that like takes me away from the moment, but just in a way that I'm like, okay, I know I have three hours here and not six hours. So we're going to like dive in and then be gone, that kind of thing. And he is the like, sorry, what time is it? It's three o'clock in the morning. It's fine. Let's bring on another song, like that kind of person. And he's always been like this and he gets up at like five something each morning and just goes and goes. And it just, again, blows my mind. Like that's him and that's him in full. And he is constantly 100%. And I don't know how he goes without sleep so much, but that's his life and that's his world and he loves it. And so there is, there's just like a way that works for everybody. And you end up, uh, that's what I love too about friend groups, right? There's there's that person in the group. There's the one that's super quiet. There's the one that's in between and, and all of it. And I mean, his sister and his parents are the quietest people you'll ever meet. And then there's him. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it's, but it is, it fascinates me. I think it is so fascinating. And again, it's like the whole nurture versus nature. Well, I mean, this is exciting. I know people can find your podcast, Be Good With Kate. They can find it in all the podcast players. They can also go to your website, which is, and we're going to spell your last name because, uh, I, and I, I love how you said my my listeners know I always butcher last names or first names if they're hard, but you said well you said chair chair cello right and that's was I was like oh I could do that so if yeah, you could go sit to on Kate's, the chair play the cello yep. which was perfect yeah I mean then that just shows your teaching and your kind of theater background how you kind of explained that so you can also find Kate at her website which is Kate C H E R I C H E L L O and then you can find uh, Kate on Instagram at positively underscore Kate. And then you can also find Kate on LinkedIn. So um, anything you want to add, anything you want to share um, with the listeners kind of uh, closing things out? Mm. I just, I'm so grateful to be here today. Thank you. And I know that you're going to be on Be The Good in the upcoming months too, which I'm so excited about. And I just, I'd love to hear any feedback if people have it on the show, if they listen to the podcast, there's some really neat guests from all around the world that just, I'm so amazed by them. So I hope that, uh, the audiences are as well. Well, and I love what you said about that, you know, during the pandemic, all the negativity. I mean, you could feel your energy and your love and your light. And I'm sure people say that all the time to you because you really do have such an energy and just such like just a sweet disposition. So the fact that you made a podcast and created a podcast about that, I think also just shows who you are. But I also love that you're like, well, I want to stay and, you know, keep practicing being on camera. I don't want to lose that muscle. So I think it's kind of a really brilliant thing. And something that people should think about. Even if you're not doing the trait that you want to be doing and that you have kind of plans for, work up to it. Start doing things that are going to help you, you know, get there and 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 kind of work those muscles to be able to be there in the future. So I love that you kind of set that line and timeline for us. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it is, you're so right. Uh, James Clear, you know, with habits, and he talks so much about that. And he says, you know, just do something, do, do what, what's your goal? You don't have to do it all at once, but do, if it's to be come fitter, do 10 pushups a day or do one minute of squats a day and then just keep showing up each day. So whatever it is that someone's thinking right now, they want to do it's what's that like one ounce of something that you can do and just keep doing that. And eventually it will grow into something bigger. No, so, so true. Well, thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate you being on your next stop. You guys, you know what to do, like rate review you might listen to this and be like, oh, that's a great episode, but you don't know who needs to hear it. You don't know who right now in their life needs some inspiration. They might have an idea. They don't know what to do. 
send them this episode because they're going to be inspired. We will see you on another episode of your next stop. Thanks again, Kate. Thank you. I hope you liked this episode of your next stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends and join in each week. 